0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Anne Baldwin.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's program. I am Ann Baldwin, as you just heard in the introduction, here with the co-host of the program, Lisa DeMattis Lapore, also Chief Executive Officer
0: of The Connection. God, that sounds great. Thank you. Good morning (laughs) to all of our wonderful listeners. You know, you're one of those
2: CEOs, right? I mean, you're one of those people that really, um, you don't fit the mold. I got to tell you that. I work with a lot of CEOs. But you're just so delightful and so passionate about what you do. I mean, how much is passion a part of running an organization?
0: I think it's huge. You have to keep it real and you have to remember really the work that's being done in the organization and the clients that we're serving. And for me, that's what brings me to work every day um, because I you know, did many of the uh, jobs that you know, a lot of our staff hold because I've been at the organization for a really long time. And I promised myself that if I forgot what it was like to be working with clients and really how how hard the work was, then I needed to do something else.
2: Well, and and you're doing it. And and one of the things I love about this program is, you know, each and every week we have the opportunity to talk about a different topic. And I'm so excited to have uh, Dr. Marianne Haley. She's the deputy director of the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness. Um, and known in the business as CCEH and um, you know Dr. Haley thank you so much for being on and we're talking about homelessness and we're talking about in a little bit we're going to be talking to one of your colleagues too about homelessness and you know youth and young adult programs so if you could just give us an overview of kind of what your role is and, and where we're at as far as homeless homelessness goes in our state right now.
1: Thank you, Anne, and thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be able to participate in this. Um, Our role at CCEH, or the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness, is a statewide organization that works with many communities across the state and advocates and providers and uh, towns and cities to end homelessness, to prevent and end homelessness is our mission. And what we have done is to really align ourselves and our partners with the federal goals to end homelessness for chronic homelessness and veteran homelessness and youth and family homelessness. And Connecticut has been an incredible leader in the country around ending homelessness, so it's been a real privilege to be a part of this
2: let me let me ask you and, and let me ask lisa both of you this, the question what are some of the components what are some of the reasons that people end up homeless in the first place what are what are some of those are there top 10 top 5
1: well so you know it, it i would say that the reasons that people most often think about are probably part of those reasons so if you're talking to the general public I think that there's also some misconceptions as well that you know our homeless population is you know has more substance use or um, mental illness and in fact if you think about it the you know there are um, lots of people that are housed that have the same problems um, that our homeless population have. The difference is, is that they but you know, often do not have the resources to rely on to be able to have a home um, and to be stably housed. That's so, so true. Yes, and and so we really want to think about it um, in in terms of I think the the one factor that differentiates our homeless population from our other populations um, that are stably housed is resources, and that it is often an issue of poverty and not being able to, you know, have the resources um, keep um, a stable um, place to live. And, you know, so we want to just make sure that, you know, we're not um, thinking about this as that they're a much different population than you or I or anybody else, because um, I think that people have, you know, different issues that they face and challenges in their life that um, they are still able to remain housed. And-, and,
0: and I really think that's key, and we've really been talking about that a lot on, on this program, that there's many factors that come into play with regard to homelessness, and I think you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily always addiction or um, mental health, but it's you know other factors that we've shared on the show with regard to not having the right support system, not knowing who to turn to. And I'm sure you see what we see, which is that a lot of folks have really, you know, lost family members because of p- potentially struggles that they've had, and, and they don't have anyone to really reach out to.
2: You know, and you, and you talk about the fact that um, family support. And I'll share a personal example of that. My daughter called me yesterday from Texas, got pulled over, expired license and registration. So, ticket money for registration money for insurance um you know she's in her late 20s she's got a job but she's falling short now if i weren't there to help her what happens you know i've been in situations when i was newly married you fall behind i mean you know many times just one paycheck away from being homeless really i mean it's tight out there it's tight for people that have good jobs it's tight for everybody so I can't imagine you know how some people do it on the incomes that they do so there are just you know there are so many factors so um, Dr. Haley again we're talking with Dr. Marianne Haley she's the deputy director of the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness I gotta ask you maybe a tough question but I think it's one that our listeners um, you know might be curious about so Connecticut's not in great financial shape right now how many resources are going to be lost or are there going to be enough resources still available to, to stay focused on You know some of these issues like substance abuse, like homelessness, like uh, behavioral health, like mental illness, you know that have gone gone so far, but yet may be cut due to budget constraints.
1: So that is a a very tough question and a very important question because what we also know about homelessness is that um, our work to end homelessness across the state, and this is a very you know, collaborative state that has worked um, tirelessly over the last few years to beco- become one of the leaders in the country to end homelessness. And we were very successful in being able to end, we were the first state in the country to end chronic veteran homelessness. We were one of two states to end veteran homelessness in 2015. In 2016, at the end of the year, we were able to match those chronically homeless who are individuals experiencing um, a severe disabling condition and long-time homelessness uh, with housing and what that has meant has also been a real cost savings because we know as people experience homelessness they often circle through our systems like you know emergency rooms and criminal justice systems Mm -hmm. and that the the cost of sort of maintaining that homelessness and the cost of maintaining shelters to house um, people for a long period of time is much more uh, is much higher than it is to work uh, and to end a person's episode of homelessness.
2: You know, and that's one of those things. Like this guy that is doing work for me, right? He's homeless. He's living in a shelter. Um, it's pay for it now or pay for it later. Correct, and. I said, how long can you live there? And he said, up to a year. But this guy doesn't want to be there either. He's working yeah. his butt off to, and, and saving his money in a hiding place in his room somewhere, undisclosed, because he doesn't want to get it stolen, and keeps his, his food between his screen and his window to keep it cool. Um, you know, he doesn't want, this isn't his end goal in life? but it's an opportunity for him to get back on his feet. So, you know, and I think that's a great thing about collaboration. Collaboration between organizations like CCEH, The Connection, the state. I mean, it's a team effort. You can't get out there and just do it all alone. And you know, it's not a. You're not doing it. Be, you're not doing it because you want to make big bucks. You're doing it because you want to make a big difference, right?
0: That's very true. And I, I do agree that we have an extremely collaborative state, and we've really gone above and beyond working together in that collaboration to end homelessness and to really address this issue because it's so chronic, and it's one that we really, you know, need to stay on top of. Really quickly, our supportive housing for families program is statewide, and we serve 500 uh, clients per year. We have a current waiting list of over 500, and those are folks that are absolutely appropriate for this program and their families. But because of the lack of housing and wraparound services, you know, we are treating many of those on the wait list in our in our outpatient services, hoping that a bed opens up. But we're just you know, saying that this is an ongoing problem. And remember, unemployment is high, people are losing their jobs, and that's really affecting um, families' ability to stay housed and to live in a safe environment.
2: Well, that really puts it in perspective. And you know, we're gonna be speaking with shortly with John Lawler. He's a director of homelessness uh, for the youth and young adult programs at The Connection. But first of all, Dr. Marianne Haley, uh, Deputy Director of the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness. You know, it's a continued battle, but, you know, keep up the good fight. Thank you for what you do. And, and thank you for adding your perspective on this program. And we're going to be talking about the next chapter shortly.
1: Thank you. Thank you, thank you so
2: much for joining us. So, as I mentioned, um, that was a good overview, because it was interesting to see, and, you know, Lisa pointed out, 500 right now folks are, you know, in the homelessness program, 500 on a waiting list. You know, I thought when my kid was on a waiting list and number 20 for a preschool, that was a big deal. But can you imagine being homeless? And who knows where in that number of 500 your your, your family's safety and well-being lies? So, Thank you for being on the program. Again, John Lawler is the director of Homeless and Youth Young Adult Programs. So I'm assuming we're going to talk about, we're not just talking about families. We're talking about young people that are living out on our streets here in Connecticut.
3: Thank you very much for having me and giving me the opportunity to speak about this uh, very important issue that our state is facing. Uh, So we run a program that serves homeless uh, young adults Throughout the state of Connecticut. Uh, and as you're speaking about the waitlist for the family program, our particular program has a waitlist um, of just a little over 270 uh, young people age 24 and under who are actively homeless, unstably housed, no reliable place uh, to stay at night.
2: Wait a minute. 24 and under. So, what's the youngest right now? What youngest homeless person out there? What, what's the youngest you've seen recently?
3: I'd say the youngest that we tend to come across might be around the 16, 17 age. Uh, Under the age of 18, it's a little bit more to identify Mm -hmm. them. Probably more family members are willing to to help out that young person as well. It's a bit of a protective factor uh, against staying in the streets. Where we see the huge surge is right between the ages of 18 to 24. Um, that's the population. That's primarily that 270 wait list that we have.
2: So as someone who doesn't work in this field, my question is, if they're younger like that, wouldn't they be in the care of the Department of Children and Families? Wouldn't they get into the foster care program? And, and that's where we're talking about a continuum of care, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go from homelessness to maybe you've got a foster family out there or a foster individual that can that is ready and willing to take this individual. So You know, is that what we're talking about?
3: Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's other resources in place if you're um, homeless, don't have a reliable place to stay if you're under the age of 18, with the Department of Children and Families being one of them, Uh, the ability to assist through um, foster care, other, other options for them. Uh, that's the, Those are the options that we don't see with a, when someone turns 18. That kind of uh, fabricated legal age of adulthood um, strips away a lot of protections. Yet um, just from the, the brain development perspective, there's very little difference between an 18 and 17-year-old. They're still equally as vulnerable.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And um, I've had this amazing opportunity to work with John, who's really uh, an amazing role model and director of the youth program, and meet many of the clients that are being served right now are young adults. And their stories are just stunning. And the... uh, level of need that they have is, is really high. But the success rate that I've seen, you know, with John and the work that he and his staff have done have been really stunning to me. And I'm really grateful to, you know, have John on board and really working on, you know, tackling this huge issue that we're having in our state.
2: What is it for you, John, what, what, um, qualifies as success?
3: Uh, for us, success is, um, being able to, to- get linked with some type of permanency so that they, A, won't experience homelessness again, um, but also not show up in, in the other very costly systems, criminal justice systems, child welfare systems, um, you know, other systems that, that are there. I think as you referenced earlier, it's kind of pay for it now, pay for it later. Mm-hmm. Um, age-wise, this is the perfect time to pay for them because there's just a lot of development and an and ability to change at this age. Uh, that we've seen, so we're able to make very large successes in, in relatively short periods of time. Our particular program, none of those options are will permanently help a young person. They're pretty time limited, um, but that's what we found is really all it takes. Some, you know, guidance and support and assistance for, you know, a pretty time bound period, um, and they're able to, to get on their feet and independent. And and, and excuse
0: me, also, you know, the fact that the, for example, this program that John's talking about, the connection offers that stability and really an assigned case manager who's working closely with the family to provide and assist with the wraparound services that are greatly needed to really um, maneuver through everyday life. And, you know, working with fam- with these adults on addressing all their needs, I think, is really critical because it's really- really more than housing i think that's important for our listeners to hear housing is key obviously you know i think a lot of us take it for granted when you put a key in the door and you turn that key i want everyone to picture that in their in their mind right now What's that for you? It's your safety net, right? It's your place where you shut the door and you feel like this is your home. This defines who you are. You feel safe. And that's what we're trying we're trying to provide. And but in addition to that, again, it's those wraparound services that folks need, especially at that young age, to, you know, maneuver life and systems and manage budgets and how do you deal with your employer and how do you get a job and You know, sort of how do you do all of that get through school finish finish college get your support or you know a trade school and that's really what the program offers everyday living and dealing with every single possible uh, life issue that there is.
2: Well, and that's it right John because a lot of these young people probably haven't had that role model to teach life skills survival skills.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, one of the huge contributors to their level of homelessness is, is that they don't have any adult supports willing to take them on, to take them in. They don't have that resource. Um, or if they do, they're just incredibly unhealthy relationships where they might do more damage than good. Um, so a huge uh, gap that our program is able to fill through its services is is that that role of not only through case management, but also a, of a role model of someone to be able to, to hold your hand and, and walk you through some of those early life experiences, especially when you're just starting to test the waters on your own.
2: Right, right. You know, and it just breaks my heart because, you know, even my son, after he graduated from college, I called him my cellar dweller. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he came (laughs) back and lived in the basement for two years because his his good job out of college was right down the road. Save the money. You've got my Mm -hmm. support. Let's do this. How sad, you know, that these kids are not only don't have that option, but they're out there who knows where on the streets and, you know, encountering who knows what. Mm -hmm. And that could lead to another issue of drug addiction or trauma or those kinds of things, male or female. Mm -hmm. So without breaking confidentiality, um, And you talked about, you've heard heard some of the stories, Lisa.
0: I have one that is poignant in my mind. Can you please share that with our listeners? This might have been prior to um, maybe John moving into this role, but I I remember that we had a brother and sister who were probably a year apart from each other whose parents were really struggling with, both with addiction and mental health. And um, they were both spiraling out, and family lived out of state. And, you know, the kids would come home and there wouldn't be food in the refrigerator. They didn't know where the parents were. The parents were, you know, constantly arguing. And it was really difficult for them to stay in the house. They couldn't. It was just too difficult to focus on studies and really to get through life. And so we had a brother and sister duo that, you know, were referred into the program. And we were able, you know, they lived separately, but we were able to help them and, you know, support them through school and, you know, really get stabilized. And I think that, you know, again, that's another example of... You know that family environment in that situation that was unhealthy for these two young adults to live there and they really they had been what we say couch surfing right john Mm -hmm. and so sort of staying at their friends you know living at different friends house and it was actually a family friend that called and reached out to us to say look, we've got this 18 year old living with us and she's a good friend of our daughter's and we love her and we think she's amazing and we're happy to have her here. However, what's the future of, of this, you know, young adult, what's going to happen to her. And so we're reaching out to see what you can do, you know, to help her. But she had been living on and off there for a very long, maybe t- for two years. And there's so many listeners out there who I'm sure have their friends, kids sleeping at their house mm-hmm. right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's a good opportunity to Lisa, to share the information because as you just, you know, explained, it was a friend or a family member of the friend that called the connection and said, is there anything you can do? It's not that they didn't want the responsibility because they obviously took it on for two years, but other resources so that, you know, you know that just sleeping on my couch is in a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. There's other things that these kids need. So, John, what is the number that people can call if they're interested in programs or they know of an issue out there in their community or in their backyard?
3: Sure. The best number uh, to contact would be 860-878-4042. That's our standard outreach and referral line.
2: Okay. And you said there's a backup right now? or What what do you need? People out there listening to this, you know, we break their hearts. You know, it makes us sad. Mm -hmm. And I listen to programs like this, and I say to myself, you know, what can I do? What can people out there listening do? Anything?
3: Yeah, there's quite a bit that they can do. I mean, what the- One of the the big needs is to have some adult supports involved with these young people to help guide them. And sometimes that can just be someone that they call at the end of the day or their first day of work. I mean, pretty normal um, youth behavior supports that they just don't have uh, outside of our case management support. Um, And certainly, we are constantly on the lookout for things like unpaid internships, things that will actually put them in a professional environment, get them some experience uh, that can translate down the road for them. Um, So these are all examples uh, along with opening your home to someone who might be, uh, you know, kind of unstably housed or homeless. These are all opportunities that community members can absolutely take advantage of.
0: So, John, I'd like to um, ask you a question that I'm I'm assuming that many of our listeners have, but I know I have this question, and that is, what are some of the trends that you're seeing with homeless youth with, with regard to issues that they're facing? I mean, obviously, it's homelessness, but what are some... Uh, generic situations that you can share for our listeners today about, you know, what what these um young adults are facing.
3: Uh, so it uh, probably uh, probably speaks pretty heavily to um, the, the differences between uh, what a homeless young person, um, th- their homeless experiences, versus an older individual. Um, so one of the reasons that a lot of people in Connecticut don't even understand that there is this homeless youth, homeless young adult problem in the state uh, is because it's just a much less visible problem. These are not individuals who are staying out on the street for weeks at a time. Uh, the pattern that we see are primarily couch surfers with a lot of transitions, a lot of different places that they might stay, some of which can be extraordinarily high risk. Um, they tend not to enter shelter. And they, and they also have these brief intermittent periods of staying in a street, abandoned building, stairwell. Um, and so they struggle with things that anyone with that number of transitions w- would struggle with. Difficulty staying connected to education, difficulty um, being able to function in school, learn math, learn history, those kind of things when you're not sleeping well. You're, you have to spend a huge amount of your day figuring out where you're going to sleep that night. <laughs> Um, Employment opportunities are few and far between. Very difficult to hold down a job for a young person in that scenario as well. Um, And also just getting connected to resources that are out there to to help them. Um, One of the things that we constantly hear from our youth just coming into our program is that the goal when you're a homeless and unstably housed young person is not to appear homeless or unstably housed. Right, right. You put a huge target on your back Mm -hmm. for all sorts of very dangerous things. Um, And there's also a lot of young people out there who are in those situations that don't consider themselves homeless. Uh, I've come across a few people over just the past couple months where they stayed a couple nights on the street, but they don't consider themselves homeless. They just did that for a few nights, but normally they're still just kind of a normal kid, you know, hopping around different people's places. Um, so a lot of the the barriers that they face are um, certainly a disconnect from some available resources, uh, but just lack of opportunity to to have a place to to call home to get stabilized. Um, and, and then there's that whole uh, mentorship, the services piece, uh, which is crucial, just so they can start to emerge in, into adulthood.
2: Right. So there are things you can do. You can mentor some of these young people. You can get involved. You can you can be that that phone peer to peer support. Mm-hmm. You know, even another young person. I would think that. You know, what greater example of somebody that's kind of, you know, on a different track or has different options than some of these kids do to have somebody else to kind of guide them along the way. If you're tuning in just now, we're speaking with John Lawler. He's the director of Homeless Youth and Young Adult Programs at The Connection. And, of course, we've got Lisa uh, DeMattis-Lapore here as well, my co-host. And the phone number, again, I want to give out if people want information on your program or they want to talk to someone specifically and directly is 860-878-4042. That's 860-878-4042 too and you talked about you know pay for it now or pay for it later you know for some of these young people do they not turn to crime and end up incarcerated where they know they've got a roof over their head not necessarily a soft cozy bed or a pillow but um you know meals and and you know what would you rather have i mean that's that's where they end up if they don't get the support they need correct
3: absolutely
0: so john can you share um just sort of a brief um, story about without obviously breaching confidentiality, but perhaps a story about one of our youths that you have found really poignant.
2: Yeah. And, and maybe that's made it right. That's gone through the system. And mm-hmm. today, you know, you, you, what were they, what happened and where are they now?
3: Sure. So, uh, I mean, there's always one that, that, uh, comes out to my mind, which is a, a young woman who came to us right around the age of, uh, Nineteen years old, I say, Uh, she was um, previously involved in the foster care system, had a number of placements, never really, uh, just was never able to get adopted, had a lot of behavioral health issues. Um, And when we came across her, she was living in a hotel um, in what was likely a rather uh, exploitive situation. Um, And so we were able to bring her into our program. She was able to get her own apartment through our financial assistance. Uh, A lot of work with her around how to develop healthy relationships, how to do uh, employment seeking, money management, uh, Etc. Um, and this is a girl who really struggled even getting through high school. So this was taking on a, a lot for her. That level of independence uh, at that time. Um, two years later, this young woman uh, discharges from us to her own apartment. Can afford it without a problem. She's going. She's actively involved in school to get a certificate for a nursing career. Um, and just someone who really flourished with just some of the, the supports that we were able to, to provide and some mentorship and just someone there to be able to, to help her uh, work through, um, to, you know, the adjustment to being on your own um, and also to work through some of the, the, the trauma that she had been through as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So and, and these people, I would assume when they're, that's a great success story, maybe even come back and give back.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are still in touch with her uh, very yeah. frequently.
2: That's great. The, when and Those are the kinds of stories. So, you know, there is hope. It's not like you're throw, throwing money or resources at something that's not working. Absolutely. That's yeah. the key. So, you know, you can't ignore it. It's out there. We've got so many issues in our society, but these are issues that can be fixed.
0: And, you know, I remember recently John attended a one of our board meetings and brought one of the youth clients, and one of the things, uh, John, that I really felt was compelling was the relationship that had been established by one of John's staff, who, who was really her case manager. And that I, re, I completely remember that the uh, client said that for the first time, they actually felt like someone really cared about them and really got to know them and, you know, didn't abandon them, didn't let them down and really assisted them in finding a better way in their life. And I think that's so key. It's about relationships.
2: It is, and you know what I love? I love it when we end this program on a positive note because it shows that there's there's hope, right? There's hope There's hope for the future. There's hope for people out there that need it and help for people that need it. So again, the number, um, if you're interested in the programs at The Connection that they have to offer, 860-878-4042. And thank you for listening to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. So... Live. In the
0: deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is guys.
3: Stream minor league affiliates.
0: The Midwest League Home Run Leader.
3: And watch the best baseball highlights and look ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all in one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month. Deep left field, it's gonna go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.